0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Steven Martinez, and welcome to October. The calendar shifts into the fall and autumn months. And we have now postseason baseball. In my professional opinion, postseason baseball is the best, has the best postseason of any other sport. I think it's better. My favorite sport is basketball, and yet postseason baseball, Major League MLB, has by far the best postseason, the most exciting postseason of any other sport. My opinion, it's really not even that close. It's in in my professional opinion. I really don't feel like it's that that competitive. I I can watch postseason baseball. Of course, I watch postseason basketball and football as well. It's not like I won't watch it but there's just a different feeling there's a different level of tension in October when you're watching games you're living and dying with every pitch every out every at bat it's it's just it's a different level of excitement and every time someone reaches base the tension is built even further and it grows and and every base hit and every run driven in it, the crowd just explodes, and if the road team scores, you can just feel the air get sucked out in the entire stadium. It's the best. It's it's just so much fun. And basketball, of course, I love basketball. I love postseason basketball. You're not living and dying with every possession. You can feel and you get a sense when some possessions are going to go into deciding the victor in each game. Like You get a sense for when there are big possessions, but it's not every single possession in basketball Um, because there's constantly scoring in baseball every pitch is vital because any any given pitch could be a home run and any run could be the difference in the game so that's the difference between postseason baseball and uh, basketball in football this kind of the same scenario you get a sense when there are key drives in the game but it feels like there's more opportunity i think what it is in baseball you have less room for error i think you have less room to make mistakes and every run means a little bit more and this uh no two games are the same and what i mean by that is there are different starters every single game and you can manage your bullpen in you know just limitless combinations so you're seeing different matchups with different pitchers different hitters different scenarios are there runners on what's the score in the game what inning are we in what what's the count are they brought in you know in between innings is it a clean inning there's just so many different combinations every game is completely different and in football and basketball basketball specifically because it's a series you're seeing the same two teams um for you know a maximum of seven games and don't get me wrong i'm not saying postseason basketball or football is not entertaining because it is postseason baseball on another level it's it's just totally different the whole month of october is dominated in my opinion by postseason baseball i think even regular season football takes a slight back seat to postseason baseball. It Just i mean you just say october and the first thing that comes to your mind is world series playoff baseball it's just the best so um it if well we had our first two wild card games last night and Tuesday night. It was the Brewers and the Nationals phenomenal game. Really a phenomenal inning, really. Um and then last night you had the Rays and the A's not a, actually a pretty boring game if if I'm being completely honest. Not not really what I expected from those two teams. I thought it was going to be more of a shootout. Um I did pick the Rays informally we didn't really make picks last week uh and i also picked the nationals to win though again informally but i did not expect those games to shape out the way they did i felt like the nationals game the national league wild card game would be a pitcher's duel and it was for the most part and it was i mean the final score was a 4-3 pitcher's duel um but it was you know very exciting it had eighth inning down two, Hayter comes into the game, and you end up scoring three. Unbelievable. And then last night, Charlie Morton on the mound uh, for the Rays. You had Sean Minaya. Did not pitch terribly. Sean Manaya was okay. Wasn't great, wasn't terrible. He was just okay, and in postseason baseball, that's not going to cut it. He gives up four runs uh, in the game, and that would have um, eventually be the difference in the game. The Rays go on to face the Houston Astros, the Washington Nationals will go on to face the Los Angeles Dodgers in the NLDS and the ALDS, respectively. So we're going to do our postseason bracket today this week. We're going to save that for later in the show because I want that to be the crown jewel. I'm so, I'm so excited. I cannot wait for the games tonight. Tonight's the National League, so you get the Braves and the Cardinals first. I will have that game time for you. And then the Dodgers and the Nationals, because it's a West Coast game, that will be the nightcap tonight. Um, so those will be your first two games of, I guess, the official postseason. We wanted to wait till today, um, last week. We wanted to wait till, until today to actually make our postseason bracket picks, I guess. Only because last week, at this time last week, uh, the postseason bracket was not even set. So it would have been unwise to make picks with teams who may or may not even be involved in the playoffs. Um, so we waited until today uh, to make those picks, and we're going to do that later on in the show. But first, we have, and then we'll have our. Um, or no, scratch that. Never mind. We have our uh, our college picks, obviously, then our NFL picks, and then we'll go into our MLB postseason picks. Cannot wait to watch those games tonight. And for the rest of October, you have the whole month. It's October 3rd now. I believe the Game game 7 of the World Series is slated for Halloween, which is October 31st, of course, if it should get that far. So not going to be any November games this year. The season will end in October, as it should. We'll have all month to discuss... Each game, each round, how our team's getting hot, our team's getting cold, this, that, and the other. But first, let's talk some football. College football, to be specific. We have a good week um, of games this week. We have a good slate of games this week. And last week, my oh my, on fire. Currently on a six game win streak in college football, bringing our season record. Last week we were at 9 and 3. We got another big fat 3 and 0, oh, bringing our record to 12 and 3 on the season. Can you believe it? I mean, what a start. What a season it has been for me picking games in college football. We are on fire last uh this this uh this year. Last week specifically also had USC Washington maybe the toughest game of the week for us to pick only because you do not know what USC team is going to show up at any given time. Um, we called it correctly, though. Said they were going to come out flat and never really pick things up from there. And that is exactly what happened in that game. It's actually a really boring game to watch. USC never got anything going. They were just stuck in neutral all day long. Matt Fink looked horrendous. Had like two picks that were... They looked like almost on purpose. They were. They were so bad... Washington takes that win. And we had Notre Dame in Virginia. Notre Dame actually uh, in trouble during that game for most, most of the game. And then the second half, or midway through the third quarter, I guess you could say, uh, they start to take over and they pull away. Uh, and I think that score actually got kind of ugly uh, for Virginia. But for a while, Virginia was hanging around. And actually, Virginia had to lead uh, for a, a little while. So uh, that game closer um, than most people think or most people thought it would be, but we did have Notre Dame, the Irish, win that one. And then finally, in what was the cheese fest of the week, was actually the closest game and the biggest nail-biter, maybe in the country. Clemson and North Carolina. Now, I said last week, this game sounds like I'm not even trying anymore, but it will be a close game. And it will be closer than the experts think. And it turns out, actually, North Carolina probably should have won this game. They lose it 21-20. They go for a two-point conversion at the end of the game. They're not, and I love this so much, they're playing to win, not to tie. They go for the two-point conversion if they get it. Essentially, the game is almost over. I believe there was still like a minute and a half left of the game, so maybe Clemson has a chance to come down and score, Uh, but they elect to go for the two-point conversion rather than tying it. They do not get it. They are stopped short on the goal line, and that is your ball game, but we did have Clemson in the win, they were able to hang on, make a tough goal line stand, and they will hang on and stay undefeated. So uh, right in, two, in both sides of that uh, game because it felt like it was going to be a very close game and much more competitive than people were giving it credit for. And we also picked Clemson to win, which is exactly what happened. So all in all, we had a great week last week. We had lots of fun. We're looking to keep it going. Nine-game win streak. That is the goal this week. And it's a tough week. We have three top 25 teams. Or three top 25 matchups, I should say. All very tough games. All very close games. And I'm going to start with the one that I believe is maybe the easiest one to pick and maybe the one I feel most comfortable with. Number 25, Michigan State. Sparty. Heading over to the shoe. Number 4, Ohio State. A lot of people feel like Ohio State has been the best team in the nation thus far into this season. That I cannot get behind. If you ask me who I've been most impressed by this season, it's got to be the LSU Tigers. They are, I mean, dynamic on offense while retaining that LSU SEC defense. One of the reasons why, very similar to last year's Alabama team, now I'm not going to go as far as to say they're as good as Alabama last year or maybe even Alabama this year, but LSU, very similar to Alabama last year in the sense that they can score with just about anyone and they can get into defensive battles and just shut you down entirely. So I really that's the most impressive team uh, in my professional opinion in college football. Ohio State right up there. If you're talking about who's the most impressive, I would say LSU then perhaps Ohio State because I have been very impressed with Ohio State. They've been very consistent. A lot of people actually were selling stock on the Buckeyes after week one when they played Florida Atlantic. And I sat up here and I told you, don't panic on anybody. Alabama was tied, I believe, with Duke at halftime week one. I mean, everyone came out slow out of the gates, did not sell any stock in Ohio State whatsoever. Now, all of a sudden, they're looking like they're primed for uh, not some, even a playoff run, but perhaps a national title run. So uh, I'm taking Ohio State in this one. Michigan State, a very good team, and perhaps um, underranked here. But they do have an ugly loss to Arizona State at home. And I don't think that's damning for Michigan State. I don't think I'm not going to completely write them off as far as, I don't know, making a bowl game or perhaps even maybe a New Year's 6 bowl game. You never know. But I don't see them competing with Ohio State at the shoe. Justin Fields, it looks like he's getting better week by week. The only problem, the only reservation I've had with Ohio State is ironically with Justin Fields. Watching him play, he doesn't look like the field general, the guy that can just single-handedly take over a game. He's a great player. He is a fantastic player. But does he have that unique DNA? You know, Does he have that it factor? And he's, I, I can't say over the course of just five weeks hes he's, he's developed it. But it looks like he's in the process of developing that ick factor. He's getting better week by week. Another nice test for him this week at home against Michigan State. I like the Buckeyes at home. Now, another Big Ten matchup here. And this one has uh, vital um, repercussions for one program. Number 14, Iowa. The Hawkeyes in the big house against number 19, Michigan. Now, start off the season, the hottest seat in the country, was in Southern California with Clay Helton, and that still may very well be true. But after that, you have to start making an argument for Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. Okay, has not met expectations clearly during his entire tenure at Michigan. Not just this season, but over the course of his Michigan head coaching career, has not made the playoff. Has not won the Big Ten uh, as of yet. Has not beat Ohio State. Yet, as a head coach at Michigan, all those things they, they 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 start to boil over. If you're at a big time program, you have essentially three jobs: beat your rival, win your conference, win a national championship. And when you fail to do the first two, you're obviously not going to be able to do the the third um to task on your to do list. And then things start to start start to boil over. Excuse me, things start to get. Uh, a little frustrating for the boosters and the AD and for the fans. It's kind of the problem that's going on with Clay Helton. Conversely, at USC, has not consistently beaten Notre Dame and UCLA, has not consistently won the Pac-12, and is not getting into Rose Bowls or playoffs and therefore national championship games. So, uh, Jim Harbaugh, this is a... If you lose at home to Iowa, who is a very, very good team, but if you, you're, you're Michigan, you're supposed to win this game. USC, you have Utah at home. Yes, they were ranked number ten in the nation at the time. You're the University of Southern California. You should. They're, you're supposed to beat Utah at home. I don't care what they're ranked. I don't care what you're ranked. You're USC. You're playing in the Coliseum. You're supposed to win that game, and they did, keeping Clay Helton's job security. Um, you know, just for the time being, Jim Harbaugh, the same thing. You're supposed to win this game. I think. They will. I think they're starting to feel the pressure a little bit in Ann Arbor. You're going to start to see a little bit of desperation out of the Wolverines, and that might actually be a good thing. Maybe it's 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 a good thing for this team to play with their backs against the wall. Um, you know, the chips are down. They're 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 kind of the odds are stacked against them. I'm taking Michigan this week because they have to win. If they do not win this game, Jim Harbaugh is likely finished by the end by the end of the season. Because I don't think they're going to fire him immediately after the game. If should they lose, that would be I mean, unless they get blown out and I'm talking what, sixty-five to ten or something like that. Like it'd have to be hellacious for them to fire them, fire Jim Harbaugh on the spot. I don't think that'll happen. But if he does lose today, or excuse me, on Saturday, um his fate is starting to look like it's just about sealed. And now to our last game, maybe the toughest game to pick of the weekend. Number seven, Auburn Tigers against number ten, Florida Gators in Gainesville, Florida uh auburn is ranked uh obviously higher than florida have not watched i'll be completely honest with you have not watched much of florida this season saw them play against miami and they were very sloppy to say the least that week one but again everyone came out and everyone came out of week one slow sluggish they no one really looked like themselves and on top of everything else florida uh, and miami played the week prior they had the week zero game. So not only did they have to come out and play week one against uh, a great program historically in a rival in Miami, they had to play a week earlier than everyone else. And since then, I have not seen uh, much of Florida. I have seen some of Auburn. Uh, and they are a very, very good team, ranked in the top 10, number seven, uh, deservedly so. But I will say this. I'm going to take Florida this week. Only because you have freshman Bo Nix, who has been phenomenal this season. Has not looked like a freshman. Has not played like a quote-unquote freshman. How we expect new players to play. I think that's going to catch up with him this week. Playing in Gainesville, in Florida. One of the classic uh, home field advantages in all of college football. I say that about a lot of programs because... Well, I mean, there's a lot of great college, there's a lot of great atmospheres in college football, but the swamp, I mean, is is up there at the top five at least. I mean, one of the premier home field advantages in all of college football. I think it finally catches up to Auburn and Bo Nix that they are starting a freshman. I don't think this will derail the whole season for Auburn. If you're talking about making a bowl, if you're talking about getting to the playoff, yeah, this is do or die for both teams because the SEC is stacked it's hellacious and for Florida specifically they now take on the toughest four game stretch in the nation starting this week against Auburn do the Florida Gators they have a I mean a hellacious schedule looking at uh, looking at them for these next four weeks I think they get the win this week and they will likely fall over the course of these next four weeks because their schedule is just I mean it's it's ungodly I'll take them to win this week at home the florida gators so now on to our nfl picks where we unfortunately had a losing week last week i hate to relay that to you um did not do we did not have the same success that we had in college football but it is a new week and we're going to look to turn it around this week our current record on the season is five and seven not nearly where we want to be but there's still plenty of time to turn things around Okay, we can make this into a positive season and get back over 500 potentially uh, this week. We can turn we can turn things around right now. So that's exactly what we're gonna do. Um, last week we had the Eagles and the Packers Thursday night. We did get that one. Um, still believe in the Eagles. Believe in Carson Wentz. They were able to hang on uh, against the Packers. And maybe you can make the argument that they probably should have lost that game. Devontae Adams absolutely torched. Philly in that secondary. That's probably the biggest weakness of that team is a secondary. Um, He left the game with turf toe, but they won the game. Never going to take away from teams who who win games. If there's an asterisk, sure, there's always something we could talk about, but a win is a win is a win for the Eagles and both for the Crowd Noise Podcast. So I'm going to take that one fully in stride. And then we had the Browns and the Ravens. Did not have that one correct. We had the Ravens win in that game. And the Browns, to their credit, showed up to play. The Ravens did not. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just looked flat. They really did not show up to compete during that game. And maybe they suffered from the same problem that most people suffer from, which is uh, an identity crisis in the sense that they're, just, uh, they're playing the Cleveland Browns and really weren't taking them very seriously, perhaps. And they just did not show up to play. That game was in Baltimore. And they didn't look they didn't look uh, very good uh, or very impressive that game against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so we lost that one. Then finally we have Sunday night football. We had the Cowboys and the Saints. Uh picked the Cowboys to win that one because the Saints were without Drew Brees, and the Cowboys have a very good defense. Uh, on On top of that, on top of the Saints missing their Hall of Fame quarterbackness, to the Saints' credit, um, it goes both ways. You can kill the Cowboys, or you can praise the Saints. I'm going to do a little bit of both. The Saints, to their credit, were able to hold the Cowboys down. Okay, They won that game without scoring a touchdown. They had four field goals. They had They finished with 12 points, and that was enough for them to win. Now I'm going to kill the Cowboys. How do you lose to a team without giving up a single touchdown? You gave up four field goals. That's it, total. And you lost. Not a good look for the Dallas Cowboys. Last week. You can make an argument. Now, the Saints are a very good team. They're not bums. But without Drew Brees, they're not nearly as as good as what they normally would be. You should expect the Cowboys to win that game. And I did. And they didn't. So we didn't. Um, we moved to 5-7 and seven on the season. But we're looking to turn things around. We never dwell on the past. We're psychics. We always look to the future. So that's exactly what we're going to do for this week. First game, tonight's Thursday night game, uh, not nearly as, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, I guess intriguing as last week's game. And again, uh, I was kind of biased last week only because I had three players from my fantasy team playing. But nonetheless, it was still a great game. It was still a very good game, and I normally kill... Thursday night, and I cannot stand that the NFL has games on a Thursday night. You know that very well, because I've relayed that to you over the course of now what is years. Um, but we do have the Rams and the Seahawks tonight in Seattle. Um, the Rams are coming off a ugly loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're beaten by 15 points. They gave up 55 points total to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and what a time it is to be a Tampa Bay sports fan right now! As you have the Rays moving on to play the Astros, winning the wild card, and then you have the Bucks beating the Rams in the Coliseum, pretty handily. That game really, and they, the Rams closed it. Um, they they closed in on 15 points. The margin was even wider than that. So what a week it has been for Tampa Bay. Uh, sports, but currently focus, focusing on Los Angeles sports right now, talking about the Rams and then later on the Dodgers. You have a tonight's game in Seattle. The Seahawks, very good team, not a very dynamic team. Love Russell uh, Wilson. I was this close, I was a hair shy of saying Westbrook instead of Wilson. I just by the skin of my teeth uh, uh, avoided that love Russell Wilson. Great player is the talent around him enough for them to win the division for them to get into the playoffs and maybe just maybe back to a Super Bowl, um this year. I don't, I don't see it. And this was the problem for them last year. And even last year they made the playoffs credit to Pete Carroll and that coaching staff with Russell Wilson and like nobody they're able to make the playoffs and challenged the Cowboys last year in Dallas and maybe you know had a chance to win that game last year uh, and i think they're improved this season but i don't know how they stack up against the rams i think the rams even though they're on a short week um perhaps they were looking forward to this game and they were looking past tampa bay Cause tampa bay is i guess now you have to say they're a good team but they're not they're not world beaters okay they're probably not going to make the playoffs um, and So maybe you can make the argument that Rams were looking ahead and they, they, they just came out kind of flat. Really weren't expecting much from Tampa Bay and it kind of got popped. Uh, I think they have a bounce back game this week in Seattle. The very tough environment. I will say this, Jared Goff, not the same player um, on the road that he is in the Coliseum. Especially, you're talking about in Seattle during the week at night. Uh, I don't have the weather forecast for you, but I can guess it's going to rain. This is going to be a tough, very tough game for the Rams, and the Seahawks could very well win this game, but I'm going to lean towards the Rams um, because they have Aaron Donald, okay? And their defensive pressure, um, their defensive prowess is probably going to be the be-all, end-all in this game. Russell Wilson might have to do a little bit too much running, not enough throwing. I'm going to take the Rams in a very close one, uh, tonight for Thursday night. So on to the next one, and again, for the second week in a row, we have both the Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. They are now playing each other this Sunday, uh, in Arlington, Texas. Now the Packers, throughout, let's say this decade for the 2010 era, uh, the Packers have had the Cowboys number. I don't know what the rec what Aaron Rodgers' record is. Against the Cowboys, but I would argue, I would assume, it has to be one of the best records he has against maybe all other teams, not in the in the NFC North, obviously, and maybe he has a better winning percentage against the Cowboys than he does against other teams in the NFC North. Uh, a stat I don't have for you, but a, a stat I assume is uh, well worth checking out. He's tormented the Dallas Cowboys over the 2010s decade. Uh, And I don't think that's an accident. The Cowboys passed on Aaron Rodgers in his draft class twice. They had two picks in the first round, and neither of them were for quarterback Aaron Rodgers out of Cal. I don't think it's an accident that Aaron Rodgers plays his best games against Dallas. Now, I will say this. Green Bay is more than likely, I'm not going to say he's definitively out, but let's just say doubtful at this point. Uh, is Devontae Adams, who just had this best game, not only of the season, but of his career against the Philadelphia Eagles. Suffer, Uh suffered, He left that game with turf toe, and maybe that cost him the game. Now, I'm not taking away, I'm not blaming Devontae Adams for getting hurt and saying he's the reason they lost, but if he's on the field, the the Packers probably win that game. Uh, they, they probably win with Devontae Adams. They will uh They will not have him this week against Dallas. I'm actually going to take the Cowboys this week again because they have such a stout defense. And again, it's Aaron Rodgers in Dallas. I don't know how many times he has to torch the Cowboys before I start picking Aaron Rodgers against the Cowboys. But he will be without um, Devontae Adams. He will be without Jamal Williams, who also left that game um, with an injury. He left in the first quarter, I believe. Jamal Williams with a concussion took a nasty hit off a punt return. Um, so they're going to be a little bit stifled on offense. They're going to be without some of their key weapons. Also without Randall Cobb, who ironically now plays for the Dallas Cowboys, who's been a weapon for Aaron Rodgers uh, throughout the years. No no longer. He's not in the building. He's not coming through that door, so he's not even an option for Aaron Rodgers. I'm actually going to take the Cowboys uh, this week. Another game that they prob- you could argue they probably should win the Packers are not at full strength the Packers do have a very good defense much improved this season but their offense is not at full strength and the Cowboys are in fact they're getting back uh Michael Gallup this week Michael Gallup returns from injury this week looks like he'll be good to go he'll be ready so uh, I'm taking the Cowboys this week at home and they'll probably lose that game uh, on the last drive of the fourth quarter and finally Monday night football, actually. It might be the first Monday night game. Oh, no, that's a lie. We've picked some Monday night games. But nevertheless, we have the Browns and we have the 49ers. All of a sudden, if you look at this game uh, like three weeks ago, Browns and 49ers, this would be one of the most uninteresting games I could have possibly picked three weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, the 49ers are undefeated. The Browns are looking like they might Turn things around. This is the time where they have to start winning games. They had one good game last week. Um, and they get another tough opponent this week. But it's uh, the Browns can't wait too long to get things going. They can't fall too far behind. And so it's a very interesting game. Browns in San Francisco against the 49ers. Now, the Browns just beat what is perhaps the best defense in the National Football League. Uh, being the Baltimore Ravens. They get another good defense this week with the San Francisco 49ers. And again, they just beat what is maybe the best defense in all of football. What is stopping them from beating San Francisco? I'm going to take the 49ers this week because I like their... Again, I really like the 49ers. I like the way that they've drafted uh, on defense. I mean, they've been committed on building that defense from the ground up over the course of the past let's say three, four, five drafts. They've really made a huge investment on that defense. They're coming off of a bye. Okay, I think they've had plenty of time to prepare for Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think the Browns are going to be without Jarvis Landry. He's in concussion protocol, so they can have a Richard Sherman just entirely shadow Odell Beckham Jr. and not really have to worry about the other side of the field. Um, I'm actually going to take the 49ers this week. At home to go to what it would be a four and O for them because they're just coming off of a buy. So there are your NFL picks. We are looking to turn it around this week, and we're not going to look back. We're looking to the future, and we're going to turn things around. I promise you. So now we move on. There's a lot of picks today. This is just one of those pick episodes where it's just it's like nothing but just picking games and predictions. Uh, we have one of those every so often it just so happens to be one of those days and then other days we have like no picks and we have all stories and opinions those are fun too but today it's just one of those days because the MLB postseason kicks off tonight I guess you could say officially I mean it started on Tuesday but the series actually start tonight with the NLDS that's what opens up um, in baseball you have The Braves and the Cardinals, that should be a very interesting series. And then you have the Dodgers and the Nationals, which should be a very, very interesting series. The Nationals can beat the Dodgers. They can beat the Los Angeles Dodgers, make no mistake about it. And actually, the Nationals are one of the most, uh, I guess, popular picks to make the World Series because of that, because of their starting rotation, Um, They are one of the popular picks to beat the Dodgers. And then if you beat the Dodgers, who's stopping you in the NL? And then you're on your way to the World Series. And then you'll probably lose to the Yankees or the Astros. But for now, the Nationals are one of the most popular picks to make it to the World Series out of the National League. So uh, we're not just doing the National League, of course. We're going to be doing the whole bracket. We're going to be doing our entire thing. The AL, you have the Yankees and the Twins. And make no mistake about that series, The Twins can beat the Yankees. They're probably the only team that can match up offensively with the Yankees. They're they're constructed very similarly. Something I, I, I touched on last week, the Twins can beat the Yankees. They can, as can the Nationals beat the Dodgers. Now in the other AL series, you have the Houston Astros against the AL wildcard champs, the Tampa Bay Rays, who are one of my favorite teams I love watching them play very exciting team, great pitching top to bottom, both starting and relief bullpen pitching uh the Rays they can spin it all right they have a great great pitching staff that should be a very entertaining series as well. but we will start in the national league because that is the first league to get things going that's the first that's the league that has the first series to start, so we will start in the national league. We will go up to the National League uh, Championship Series. We will pick the pennant winner. Then we will move on to the AL. Pick the AL pennant winner. And then we will do the World Series. Sound good? Good. Here we go. We're going to start with the top of the bracket, um, being the Braves and the Cardinals. The Braves are a very popular pick also to get to the National League Championship Series. They are the favorite in this divisional series. And they should be. They have a very talented, young, exciting roster spearheaded by Ronald Acuna Jr. You had to have heard his name by now. He is a, He's already a superstar in the league, has a ton of power, has a ton of speed, very nearly made the 40-40 club this year and probably would have, but was shut down for, I want to say, the last two or three games of the season. To He was kind of dealing, I believe it was, it was a foot injury off the top of my head and it wasn't anything serious but they didn't want to aggravate that right before the postseason so he was shut down early didn't get the chance to finish the 40 40 but he probably would have he probably would have been a 40 40 player this year um he's fantastic obviously you have josh donaldson you have freddie freeman one of the most underrated hitters in the game of baseball you have ozzy albies they can score with anyone in the national league they have a fantastic fantastic lineup Their weakness is their starting rotation, which has been improved since the trade deadline. They add uh, Dallas Keuchel. Um, They improved their bullpen at the trade deadline. FultonEvich has been, he's been hot lately. But it is definitely the weak point of that team is the starting rotation. It's not terrible, but it's not the Nationals for sure. It's not the Dodgers starting rotation. It may not even be the Cardinals starting rotation uh, at this point. Tonight, I believe it is Mike... Uh, Mikolas or Michaelis uh, starting for the Cardinals against a uh, Dallas Keuchel. Yes, that is the start. That is the game one matchup uh, tonight in that National League Division Series. Look, I'm actually going to go with the upset because even though the Braves have home field advantage, they have the deeper lineup, as I just said, um, it's dominated by starting pitching. Postseason baseball is dominated by starters. It has, is, and always will be dominated by starting pitching i'm gonna take the cardinals because they have there is no pitcher hotter in the game of baseball than jack Flaherty, and may at this point very well be outside of garrett cole outside of justin verlander the best pitcher in baseball right now right now at this moment in time maybe the best pitcher in baseball barring garrett cole yeah that guy's on a different planet right now but jack Flaherty on fire that will have a huge Huge impact on this abbreviated series. One of the reasons why I say the Nationals can beat the Dodgers, because it is an abbreviated series. Starting pitching on a shorter rotation is just that much more impactful. And I will take the Cardinals in four games. I will take them in four games uh, over the Atlanta Braves, which doesn't sound like a lot, but again, it's a best-of-five series. So almost... Technically, I guess you could say Cardinals in 6 games. sort. I mean, if you want to translate that to a seven-game series, I will take the Cardinals uh, in four games in the National League. They'll go to the uh, National League Championship Series. Now, on the other side of the bracket, you have the number one team in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers, against the uh, NL wildcard champs, the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals, I will say it again for you, can beat the Dodgers. They can. They're probably the only team in the NL that can say that because of their starting pitching, because and it, because of the scenario that they're in. Again, in an abbreviated series, that starting rotation—you're talking about three-headed monster of Scherzer, Strasburg, and then Corbin, who is starting tonight. You can, th- and it's best three. You can win three games in a row with that starting rotation. However, the Nationals have. Not just a bad bullpen, but the worst bullpen ERA amongst teams still left in the postseason. And actually still amongst postseason teams, period. When the wild card started and before we knew the Nationals and the Rays were going to win, they still had the worst ERA amongst bullpens in the postseason. Their bullpen is no good whatsoever. And that kind of forced their hand during the wildcard game. They had Steven Strasburg come in. Uh, for relief of Max Scherzer during that game, was phenomenal, was lights out, able to keep the Brewers down, and really gave them the opportunity to win that game. If the Brewers score another run or two, that game's over. We're having a different conversation right now. Steven Strasburg, while Juan Soto had a huge hit off of Hayter, and that cannot go unrecognized. I mean, I don't, he put them over the top. Steven Strasburg cannot go unrecognized for what he did out of the bullpen during that wild card game. It will take a toll on them for this series. Because you're probably not going to see Strasburg or Scherzer until game three. I would assume. I'd be shocked if we saw Strasburg tomorrow night. And that might be very well the case. Because I I want to say he pitched three or four innings uh, uh, coming out of the bullpen. Almost the same amount of work as Scherzer did. So will we see that three-headed monster in order? Or will there be another starter coming in? in place of Strasburg, and then Scherzer game three, and then Strasburg game four if necessary, and then who starts game five? I, I guess it would be Patrick Corbin at that point. Will they make it that far? Can you rely on your bullpen to suppress the Dodgers during, I don't know, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth innings and on? Because you're not going to have that luxury of making Stephen Strasburg your permanent multi-inning um, reliever, you're not gonna have that luxury. I like that decision that they made during the first, the during the wild card game because it's a one game do or die playoff. You lose that game, there is there is no game two, it's game seven right out of the gate. So they did what they had to do. It was the right decision to win the wild card, but it will take a toll on them in this series. I like the Dodgers to sweep the Washington Nationals only because. You're going to be without Strasburg and you're going to be without Scherzer for the first two games of those series. You get either one of those back game three. Will it be too late by that point? And can you rely on the bullpen to hold things down for you the first two games of the series? I would say no. Will you be able to count on the bullpen um, during that fourth or, excuse me, that third game of the series? Will Dave Martinez be willing to use Strasburg or Scherzer, whatever the case may be, out of the bullpen during that game three just to stay alive? So I think it's going to be um, the Dodgers in three games. You'll see the Dodgers and the Cardinals in the National League Championship Series, and for that series, um, I don't. I think the biggest test in the National League for the Dodgers are the Washington Nationals because of that starting rotation. But they are, they are not without their own kind of, I guess, drawbacks. I guess you could say from Strasburg coming out of the bullpen. A choice, that a decision they had they had to make. They had no choice but to let him come out of the bullpen. Um, but it's going to take a toll on them for this series. I don't see the Cardin The Dodgers really dominated the Cardinals. They were one of the teams that the Dodgers, I mean, they had their number all season long uh, during the regular season. I think this will be a tough series for the Dodgers. Not an easy... Um, Easy sweep for them by any case. I think this game, series actually goes six games. I will take the Dodgers over the Cardinals only because of postseason experience. Um, The Cardinals have a lot of young bucks on that team. They're a very good team. I picked them to win the division way back when in March. I don't think they're ready to compete with the Los Angeles Dodgers who have all the postseason experience in the world and then some. The Dodgers themselves have some young bucks on the team, um, Dustin May, will be, this will be his first postseason. This will be the first postseason for Gavin Lux. Tony Gonsolin, should they bring him aboard? He is not on the postseason roster for the first round, but you never know. They might decide to bring him up um, for the next round because uh, the Cardinals have a lot of great right-handed bats. Um, uh, not the first uh, bo- uh, Excuse me, postseason roster. Uh, experience for Julio Urias but maybe the first extended postseason for him we saw him a little bit here and there last season but never really got extended playing time Uh, Alex Verdugo my x-factor for the Los Angeles Dodgers I think he's the best hitter on the team overall and he's not Cody Bellinger he's not the superstar MVP candidate but I think he's the motor of that team the engine of that lineup when the Dodgers were rolling In June and July, it was because of Alex Verdugo, uh, their best leadoff contact hitter on the team. And what he does is get on base. He does not hit many home runs, doesn't have the power of Bellinger, Muncy, or maybe even Corey Seager, but he does get on base. He gets base hits. He works the count. And what does that do? That forces pitchers to come after Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy and, yes, Corey Seager as well. Um, without Alex Verdugo in the lineup, you don't have that true leadoff batter. And so you can work around any combination of Bellinger, Muncy, Seager, or even Turner, for that matter. Um, But with Verdugo in the leadoff spot, the Dodgers are deadly. The Dodgers are best with Alex Verdugo because he forces you to come after those big bats. And it's no accident. It's no accident that since Verdugo has been out, Cody Bellinger is batting, I think, uh, he has one of the worst batting averages on the team. Cody Bellinger has stalled in the last month and a half of the season. It looked like it, he was running away with the the MVP and it was looked like he had a chance to get a triple crown this season as well. Stalled since Alex Verdugo has been out of the lineup. He should be back with the Dodgers by the time the NLCS uh, rolls around. Uh, he will not be on the roster. He's not on the roster. For the NLDS, he should be ready to go for the NLCS. I think that's the key. And he is a rookie. This will be his first postseason experience. Um, But I do think Verdugo is ready. I think he makes that lineup really pop and extremely deadly. I like the Dodgers to win the pennant and get back to the World Series. And now over to the AL side of the bracket where things could get very interesting in the very first round of the postseason specifically with the Yankees and the Minnesota Twins. As I said before, I actually think the Minnesota Twins have a better chance of beating the Yankees than the Nationals have of beating the Dodgers, only because they are at full strength. If the Nationals had Strasburg going tonight and then uh, Corbin uh, going tomorrow, it'd be a very different series. In fact, I still think I'd probably give the edge to the Dodgers, only because the Nats' bullpen is... Terrible, and they'd have to use it at some point. I'd probably give it to the Dodgers, maybe even in five games. That's how big of a difference it makes. Um, Strasburg not being available for perhaps the first two games of the series. Um, but moving over to the AL, the Twins are at full strength. They're ready to go. There's no, there's no asterisk next to their lineup, next to their rotation. They are ready to go and play the Yankees. The Yankees obviously will have home field advantage, which is huge uh, for them. I think the series goes five games. As I said before, the twins are maybe the only team in all of baseball that offensively specifically can match up with the New York Yankees, even at full strength the twin uh, the Yankees even the Yankees being at full strength, the twins can counter punch and can take a, a shot from the Yankees offensively and the Yankees starting rotation is they don't have a very good starting rotation either their' key, their ultimate strength is their bullpen. But for that to factor into these games and into the series, they have to have a lead. And can they hold the lead with their starting pitching um, before they get to the bullpen? And can their bullpen hold off the Minnesota Twins lineup long enough, should they be down um, long enough for the Yankees to get their offense going and then tie and potentially take the lead late? I will take the New York Yankees in five games in this series they will be getting back Luis severino we don't know how many innings he will be available to pitch for uh perhaps they make him a reliever it might be on the table they make him a multi-inning reliever we don't know how ready he is we don't know how much stamina he's gonna have for these games is what i'm trying to say um will he be able to go four innings five six i mean i seven seems almost out of the question um it's certainly on the table. I, I, I would I wouldn't put anything past the Yankees as far as I don't think they're eliminating any possibility, but it may not be in their best interest to push Luis Severino more than five or six innings in a postseason uh, environment. That'll be enough for them. That's a huge uh, weapon for them. That's coming back. Obviously, their bullpen is is probably the biggest strength of that team. That is going to win them alone. Probably well, that's probably going to win them the series. They will probably win these three games. Based off the performance of their bullpen. And there's no question those guys can pitch. So I I think all three games the Yankees win will be decided by that hellacious bullpen that they have. Um, And We're going to see a a few extra innings games only because the pitching in this series, not the best. This isn't going to be a purist series, I guess you could say. It's not going to be many pitcher's duels in this series. It's going to be all shootouts and track meets in this series, which should be fun. I mean, who doesn't like uh, home runs? I mean, it's going to be plenty of fun to see. We're going to see Stanton. We're going to see Judge. We're going to see Sanchez. All the heavy hitters of the Yankees against the Twins, who year it seems like annually get knocked out by the Yankees. It's going to be their best chance to beat the Yankees this year. I don't think they'll take advantage of it. I like the Yankees in five games. Now on to the other side of the bracket, where we have the Astros. And the Rays, and actually I probably should have picked this one first because this is going to go by in a breeze. Astros in three. Okay, I love the Rays. They were very impressive last night. Uh, Yandi Diaz, two home runs. He had a leadoff home run. Then he had another home run, I believe, in like the third inning. Um, they're not competing with, with the Houston Astros. That that starting rotation, a little bit too much for them. Okay, a very good pitcher, and was red hot coming into last night. Uh, he only had a few starts during the month of September, but he was lights out in those starts. These guys are a lot better than Sean Minaya. Um And the they're they're Rays' best pitcher, ironically, Charlie Morton, played for the Astros. He he came from the Astros just last season. So you imagine, just think about this, if the Astros hung on to Charlie Morton or he, he re-signed or whatever the case may be, and then they add Zach Greinke. So you are talking Cole, Verlander, Morton. And then Zach Grinke, I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous they just have those three in general. Cole, Verlander, and Grinke. I think it's just going to be too much for the Rays to, to handle. Um, they have great pitchers as well, uh, do the Tampa Bay Rays, but I don't know if they have a single pitcher that's having a season as good as as Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander may not even be the Cy Young anymore. Derek Cole really turned it on that last month of the season during September Lights out. I would say my personal pick to win the Cy Young. Uh, Then they have that. They have their own crazy lineup in Houston as well: Springer, Correa, Gurriel, Altuve, Bregman, (laughs) Jordan, Alvarez, Michael Brantley. It just keeps going. That's like seven players already, and then not even counting the last two batters. And at that point, it takes all the pressure off of those last two guys. So uh, I'm taking the Astros in just. Three quick games, and so that takes us to the AL Championship Series, the rematch of 2017. You get the Yankees, you get the Astros. Astros will have home field advantage um, during this series. They'll have home field advantage so long as they're alive, as long as they're in in the playoffs, as long as they're still playing, they will have home field advantage. They have the best record in all of baseball. Um, Another series. This is going to be quick and painless. Okay, it's going to be over in a flash. I'll take the Astros in just five games. Over the New York Yankees because again, starting pitching dominates postseason baseball specifically in this match. And you could honestly argue the Astros could sweep the Yankees. The Yankees are going to be coming off a grueling series against the Twins. The Astros are going to be well rested. Um, you know, quick series against the Rays. They're going to be watching film over the about uh, over the Yankees while they're having their their off days from getting rid of the Twins uh, or excuse me, getting rid of the Rays. Uh, in quick fashion, and then you look at the matchups that are going to take place—the right-handed starting pitching of the Astros against right-handed power hitting of the Yankees—a lineup that can get, I mean, can just shut down. There are games where the Yankees lineup is just completely shut down, and they just—they strike out a lot. The Yankees have a lot of strikeout problems on offense. They, of course, they—they they still have a great team. They still have a great offense. They have a crazy lineup that can hit you at any given moment, but they do strike out a lot. And you have two strikeout artists in, in the Houston's uh, rotation, specifically with Garrett Cole. I mean, he's one of the better strikeout pitchers in baseball, period. Then you have Justin Verlander. We've seen what he's able to, uh, he's been able to accomplish uh, in his career, specifically in Houston in the, post-season, in the postseason. Then you have Zach Grinke. Not exactly a strikeout pitcher like Cole or Verlander, but still, one of the better right-handed pitchers. Even even today, even at this point in his career, I like the right-handed starting pitching of uh, the Houston Astros over the Yankees. I'll take them in just five games uh, to win the pennant. And oh, by the way, we got a rematch in the World Series. This will be the World Series prediction. Will be the last segment of the Crowd Noise podcast. There is no quote of the week today. We will fix that for you. Next week. Apologize. But the show goes on. On to the World Series. 2017 matchup. In 2019. The Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Houston Astros obviously won the last series in seven games. And that seventh game really was... It it was kind of uh, inconsiderate for the Dodgers to force the Astros to go through that trouble because the game was... It was over in 10 minutes. The final score was 5-1, to one and the Dodgers really were just... They were lucky to have the 1. Let's just say that. Uh, dominating fashion for the Houston Astros. And now they're, they're monsters again. They're back, and they're even better than last time. Add Zach Grinke. They add Jordan Alvarez, which add insult to injury. Jordan Alvarez was in the Dodgers organization. They traded him away for Justin Fields, who ironically had add more insult to injury coughed up game two in Dodger Stadium against who else the Houston Astros and likely cost in the World Series. So they're going to be seeing Air Jordan in the World Series, who is a part of their organization in their farm system. Not, not a fun time for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I just picked the Astros to sweep the Rays. And then I picked the Astros to beat the Yankees in a gentleman's sweep, five games. And I keep saying the Nationals have the capability to beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers might not even make it out of the first round. And the Cardinals are a very good team. They're a young team. Who's to say they can't beat the Dodgers? So all logic points to the Astros winning this series in five games or less. There should be no excuse why I do not pick the Houston Astros to win this series. They have the starting pitching, as we've said before. This will be the first team that the Dodgers face in this postseason run that has definitively a better starting rotation than them, definitively. Um, the the Washington Nationals, yes, they have Scherzer, they have Strasburg, but you can argue the Dodgers have. Okay, they have Walker Bueller, have Clayton Kershaw, have Hunjin Ryu, and they have Rich Hill, who may not be a stud, may not be the big name like Scherzer or Strasburg, but has been the best postseason picture the Dodgers have had over the past over the, this past three, four, five-year run that they've been on. Yes, they've been in the postseason the past seven years, but I'm talking about the past three or four years when they've really been title contenders. Rich Hill's been their best postseason pitcher. But this is the first time where you can... There's no way. There's no way the Dodgers are are better. You can't argue that they're better than uh, Garrett Cole, Verlander, and Zach Greinke. The Dodgers are not going to have home field advantage. They will have to play games one, two, six, and seven in the Dome, in Houston. So, really, this series should just be a runaway train for Houston. And, I, and on top of everything else, here's the cherry on top. They literally have a train admitted made park. Every time they hit a home run, they have a train that goes around the whole park. Symbolically, proving that the Houston Astros are a runaway train and there's nobody that has a chance of stopping the Houston Astros. But Houston Astros, as great as their starting pitching is, and it is, it's phenomenal, is consistent of right-handed pitchers. And we look at the Dodgers lineup and the way they're constructed. It's 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 lefty heaven for the dot for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Alex Verdugo, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seeger, Max Muncie. Matt Beatty will get some starts here and there. Jock Peterson, who has been I mean, one of the better postseason hitters for the Dodgers over the past two World Series, has a history of making some big home runs in Houston. They're loaded with left-handed hitting. And the Astros are lo- loaded with right-handed pitching. And by this time, they will have Alex Verdugo back, who, as I've said, is the engine of this lineup. I'm actually going to take the Los Angeles Dodgers in seven games to win the World Series. The first time since 1988, the Dodgers will have a World Series championship. It will go seven games because there's no way they're beating the Astros in less than six. Okay, There's no way you're beating them in five games or less. That's not going to happen. The only way the Dodgers can win this series is if it goes... Six or seven. If they're able to push it that far, they're able to, able to get it back to Houston, which is already tough enough to win there as it is. But they want to get back into Houston, plays game, play games six and seven there. It's going to be tough. I think the Dodgers can get it done. Because they have Walker Buehler, who has proved that he can pitch in the postseason dominant last year through seven shutout innings against the Red Sox last year. With it actually, may not mean that much anymore because the Red Sox are terrible. But nevertheless, he did it. first postseason, he throws seven shutout innings against the World Series champs. So one game the Dodgers won. They will have Rich Hill, which is, I mean again, he's been the best postseason pitcher that they've had, better than Kershaw, and you could argue better than Bueller because he's had more opportunities. The bullpen, I get it. I will address that right now. The bullpen is a problem. That is the weak point for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and that's likely where this game will get or this series will get pushed to seven games, and likely where the Houston Astros, should they win, will take advantage of the Dodgers. Is the bullpen specifically Kenley Jansen? The Dodgers have the tools from their farm system to take the load off of guys like Yemi Garcia. He's not even on the postseason roster, but take load, take pressure off of the guys, the setup pitchers, so they don't have to come in in innings four, five, six, maybe even seven. Guys like Tony Gonsolin, who I trust will be around for the postseason, or excuse me, later on, NLCS, maybe World Series. Uh, Dustin May has been a problem out of the bullpen. He has struggled out of the bullpen. I will say that, but he takes the pressure off. He will eat some innings for the Dodgers, and maybe D- Tony Gonsolin takes his spot. Um, Ross Stripling, Kent Maeda, who has a, who has a glowing ERA out of the bullpen. He's actually a better reliever statistically than a, a starting pitcher. You have Joe Kelly, who is back. He's had chronic back pain all season long, but he's ready to go for the postseason. They're going to monitor his innings. The goal for the Dodgers is not to get not to get back to the World Series. It's to win it. They will manage his innings over the course of October. And then finally, the ultimate key, Kenley Jansen. Can he hold it down? Can he hold on to a one-run lead in the ninth against the Houston Astros? That will be the biggest question. I'm not going to sit up here and say, yep, he will. That's it. I'm done. The sidekick. It's a big question mark. That is going to be the key. Love Alex Verdugo. He's the X factor, but the ultimate, the guy who's going to win or lose the World Series for the Los Angeles Dodgers is going to be Kenley Jansen, number 74. He will be the be-all, end-all of this World Series. Not Joe Kelly, not Cody Bellinger, not Alex Bregman, nobody else. Kenley Jansen he will win or lose this series for the Dodgers. And I have them winning in 7 games. That is going to take us to the end of this week's episode. It's a fun one today. A lot it was 100% pick based. But those are those are fun as well. It's fun to pick games. I I enjoy doing that. I hope you enjoy listening to me uh ramble on and pick games. I hope you enjoy uh listening to me be wrong cuz a lot of times uh picks aren't the greatest <laughs> um so thanks for stopping by. Thanks for sticking around for the entire show. Talk to you guys next week. We'll have some uh some developments obviously in the post in baseball postseason. We'll be we'll be able to react to the first three, four games, maybe five games. This series might be over by the next time. We might be talking about the championship series uh by the next uh podcast. Enjoy the games. They start tonight with the Cardinals and the Dodgers, then over the weekend. Uh, You have the AL series going. Those are going to be lots of fun. So enjoy the games this weekend or this whole week. You have uh, college football Saturday, NFL Sunday, postseason throughout the week. It's a fun time. It's a fun time to be a sports fan right now. I will talk to you guys next week.